guys, it's Mackenzie. Happy Sunday. I am so excited to have one of my closest friends, Brendan, joining us today. Brendan is someone that I have known for many years, but it wasn't really until high school that we really started to connect. He is truly such a passionate, kind soul and is really just a joy to be around. He is currently a senior uh, studying pre-med at Oswego, and he is a true advocate of many things. This includes wellness, equal education, and ending the stigma that is associated with mental health. A true salt-of-the-earth guy that would give the shirt off his back to anyone in need, I am so excited to welcome him here today and get the opportunity to hear more about his story. Brendan, if you would just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you. Hi, everyone. I'm Brendan. So, I guess my story kind of starts. I've always played sports my whole life. I mean, since I've been five years old, sports have basically consumed my life 365 days a year for 15 years. Played lacrosse, basketball, baseball, soccer, basically everything you can think of. And I brought that life into college. And after sophomore year, I abruptly had to stop playing. I I was playing lacrosse and in college and I had always been an injury prone person and that's kind of what ended my athletic career. I after my sophomore year I ended up in concussion number seven, which is an egregious amount of concussions. And obviously your brain's most important one of the most important parts of your body and it's something you really need to take care of. So after that concussion I had to make the decision to stop playing sports which was a really hard and huge decision for me um and it really changed my life because for something i had done for 15 years 365 days a year basically and changing abruptly like that it it really makes you step back and look at like what you want to do with your life because it consumed my life so much and it was something i had always thought of and something i'd always did and when I had to stop playing. It's just like, what do I do now? It's what do I do with my free time? I have so much free time that had always been consumed by this. And, you know, you really start thinking and you have so much free time and you kind of get in your head and you're like, what do I do now? And that's kind of what my problem ended up being. And when I started realizing that my mental health wasn't where it really needed to be, um, I really just got trapped in my own head and it was something that for a long time, I just tried to deal with by myself. I thought I could really work my way through it by myself. I, I never thought, Oh, I'm this person that is going to get diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And I'd never thought it could happen to me. And, you know, and it's just something you see everywhere and you don't really think much of because there's such a stigma around mental illness that all oh, like, it's easily fixable. It's not really a problem. Like people are just overreacting. And for a long time, I kind of had that notion about it, but like started realizing that my mental health wasn't where it needed to be. It was something that I realized it was a really big problem. And that's when I started really getting involved with like trying to help other people, with their mental illnesses, because it's something that you don't really realize that everyone really has a problem not everyone, but a lot of people really have problems with their mental illnesses and they never fully realize it until they're able to talk to someone about it. And I never really realized it until I was able to talk to people about it, including Mackenzie. She helped me a lot with it. And 
it's just something that, you know, it, it took a big, big toll on me. And um, it's just, it, it kept wearing at me and wearing at me and wearing at me until I finally realized, like, I need help. I need to talk to people about this because I can't do this on my own as much as I want to. And I don't want to push my problems onto other people. Right. I need, I, I needed help. And once I s- sought help from other people, you realize like they want you healthy. Like, right. They, mental, mental illness to other people. And once they realize that someone they love is having issues, it really like, it opens their eyes. Yeah, for and, sure. I think that, like, looking back, just, like, because I've known you for so long, I think one of the hardest things, and you'd probably agree with me, was, like, you, like you were saying, you know, you had been defined by something and, you know, just something that you were so passionate about for so many years, and it had always been just such a instrumental part of your life, and then, you know, suddenly and unexpectedly, it's kind of taken from you, and then you're sitting there looking, you know, at the situation kind of like, you know, I was here and this is what happened and this is what I lost, but where am I now? And I feel as if that happens a lot of times to a lot of people and obviously not to the extremity of the situation that did to you and you were ultimately kind of forced to stop, but people kind of get lost in those circumstances. And I think that's a really huge piece of, you know, mental health and what leads to a lot of mental health stuff. What would you say about that? Exactly. I mean, it really when you have something that kind of just consumes your life and it's kind of, it, I wouldn't completely say defines you, but like it definitely has like a huge impact on like how you look at yourself and how others look at you. And when that's just kind of taken away, um, it really, it, it doesn't define you anymore. And there's, there's other ways you have to like look at yourself and others are going to look at you because that's not a part of your life anymore. Right. And that's when I really started like, exploring other options and like not other options but like other ways i could like cope with that yeah cope with that and like seek happiness in ways that i've never done before because the way i'd always done that is through athletics right so that happened sophomore year right correct okay so what was kind of you know once you got that medical diagnosis and you were basically told you couldn't you know play sports or do those contact things anymore what was kind of the past you know that happened after that what were the things that kind of happened after that how did that make an impact on your life I mean it really changed my outlook on life because I needed to immerse myself in something else because I realized you know athletics aren't gonna be with me the rest of my life you know Mm -hmm. and so I kind of I have to immerse myself in something else that's gonna consume my time and make me happy and give me meaning because after athletics had done it you know I kind of lost like my meaning and like what I was like striving for in life right I'd always had a planned path of what I wanted to do with my life and you know it kind of made me take a step back and look at like is this really like the path I want to take and Mm -hmm. you know it really it really changes everything for sure I think sometimes, you know, definitely when, and obviously, again, everybody's story is different, but this is your story that we're talking about today. You know, sometimes we lose things and we kind of are sitting there and just, you know, trying to understand why we've lost it or what the reason was or why that fit into our story. But at the same time, you know, we're gaining other things that maybe we aren't seeing right away or don't recognize right away. You know, what was the process of, you know, obviously you losing something that was so important and significant in your life 
And what were some of the things that obviously you, you know, you dealt with a lot in that situation, but what were some of the things that you gained from that unexpected change? I mean, so that, that unexpected change really drove me into like a pretty bad depression. Um, there was a few other factors that really like drove me basically into a black hole and it, it took a lot of time for me to work through it and get out of it. You know, I still deal with, deal with it every, every day. It's not something that easily goes away. It's not something that you can just turn off either. Exactly. But I found ways to kind of cope with it. And I've, I've had some experiences since then um, and met people that, you know, have, gone through the same things as me and these the experiences that I've had since then have really opened my eyes to I'm not the only one going through this there's people going through worse things than me and Mm -hmm. you know that really yeah it opens your eyes to say like I'm not the only one going through this and there's people that go through worse things than me and it's okay people deal with stuff and there's always there's always something there's always something on the horizon that's better and Exactly. Better Even things though, are usually the ones that are coming. Exactly. And although you're the plan that you've always had might change, there's there's a reason for that. And God has a plan for you. And although it may not be your plan, it's his plan and his plan has a meaning. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned, you know, some things that kind of helped you cope. If you don't mind sharing, would you be willing to talk about a few of those things or maybe things that you learned about that have helped you through that process and through that dark time? Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest experience I really had that really helped me with that was when I was dealing with a lot of my depression and the really dark place I was in, I'd explored options of basically volunteering abroad. And I found an awesome program called International Volunteer Headquarters, which is a huge volunteer program that has volunteer programs. And I think around 60 countries around the world. And I really did a lot of research into them. And I decided to travel to Livingstone, Zambia through this program. Um, and I, I went from, I left in early May and I, I was there until mid July. So I was there for a while and the people I met there and what I did there and it really seeing seeing the life they live it really opened my eyes and brought me great happiness because the people that were there, they, they had nothing. They lived in mud shacks. They barely had an education, barely any water, barely any food. I mean, right now they're going through one of their worst droughts ever. There's it's estimated that about 2 million people have no food right now. They're basically going through a famine. Mm -hmm. And although that was all occurring, they were still the happiest people I've ever met. And it was, it was the greatest experience of my life. And cause I was originally, so I had originally planned to go to for three weeks and it was, it, it was a huge step in my life because I had never traveled anywhere before by myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I was traveling to the middle of Africa by myself with no one I knew at all to this. I didn't know it was going to happen. It was just a big open experience not knowing That's... anyone, not knowing where I was going, what was it, it was going to be like. And it really, right. as soon as I got there, the people I met um, really, really helped me out. Because one of my best friends that I met there, Anna, 
um, she had gone through some of the same things that I had gone through and just meeting those people, they, they're the most selfless people I've ever met. And they're so easy to talk to. And they're some of my best friends now. And you don't really realize, like, I had never thought I was going to go to Africa and meet like some of my best friends. Right. It's the it's, I was 7,000 miles from home and I, and I met some of the, my best friends that I'm going to have yeah. lifelong French friendships with. So it's, it's weird to think that some like people come out of, come into your life and people leave your life, but there's a reason for it. And, right. And I, mean, I think it's hard to see that sometimes, like when you're in the middle of it or when you're experiencing, you know, that loss or that change when people are either, you know, entering your life unexpectedly or leaving your life unexpectedly. I think it's very hard to kind of like sit back and analyze the situation and understand why that's happening. Um, but especially, you know, I think it was really, obviously I followed you through that whole journey and you and I had always talked about it through it. And I recall the day that you told me you were going and I just knew such huge things were on the horizon for you. But the fact that, you know, these people, particularly the ones we're talking about, you know, f- were from the United States, but you had to fly to Africa and go 7,000 miles away and basically, you know, for six months, not really worry about yourself and just really consume yourself in serving others and giving to others and got to meet those people 7,000 miles from home. I just think that was really such a God-ordained thing. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, the kid, I mean, I, so what I did there, I, I worked in a school from around eight to one every day and that was a that was a school everything there is non-government funded so you have to pay for school so the kids I've I taught during the day were kids that had enough money where they could afford to go to school but you could tell they still didn't have a lot of money like these were people where their their parents put all their money they they had into getting their kids an education because they really thought an education was key because a lot of people there didn't know how to read, didn't know how to write and education. I mean, it's a, it's a cornerstone of life. You really, education is a huge thing. And it was really, the kids, they, they loved learning and they wanted homework and it, it, it was the most amazing thing to see. But I also worked in a program called homework club, which was another which was a program within my program that another volunteer had started. And it was at a local school that we were able to rent out three days a week. And it was for kids that didn't um, have the funds to go to school. And they were kids that still wanted to learn and still wanted to get an education. So every day for around two hours, we'd go to the school and there'd be 60, 70 kids that show up that couldn't That's afford awesome. to go to school which which is crazy to think about because we live in the united states where if you don't go to school then right you're, basically, you're, you're gonna get in trouble right and i i mainly taught um two little girls named uh elizabeth and alina and wow. they're they were the most amazing kids and their life you could really tell was rough and they didn't have anything they were basically the same clothes every day they were always dirty and they they were 11 years old and they had 45 brothers and sisters which is crazy to think about right and because of that their their mom and dad couldn't take care of all of them so they were 11 right. years old and they had their four-year-old three-year-old brother with them every day right so they were they were 11 years old basically 
being mothers. Right. And kind of doing whatever was necessary so that they could come to see you and get what you guys were providing. Exactly. And they, they wanted homework. They wanted to learn. Even with everything that was happening to them, basically having to be mothers, having nothing to their name, having nothing to their family's name. They're the happiest kids I've ever met. And, you know, that really, it really makes you take a step back and look at like, there's always someone that's in a worse situation than me and seeing, seeing how happy they are with such what, with what little they had, it really makes you think like what I'm dealing with, although it may be bad, it really makes you think like as bad as it is, it could be, it could be way worse. Right. I think, you know, putting politics aside and different viewpoints aside and opinions and everything aside, I think that particular instance, just like, even for me, obviously not being there, but kind of getting to experience that with you because, you know, we talked while you were there, which is a really cool way to like, look at our lives, you know, in the grand scheme of things, despite everything that's happening in the world, how blessed we truly are to have access to the things and the opportunities that we do, because, you know, I think we often take for granted the little things that maybe don't matter that much to us, but in the world, they make such a difference. And to know that we have access to all of those things and those opportunities, while there's people in the world who barely have access to, you know, clean water and an education and even food on a daily basis is just really such a humbling, not opportunity, but like a humbling, you know, standpoint to view everything on. Exactly. It's, you don't really, you don't think about it when, if I had never gone to Africa, like on the internet, you see pictures of people that need food that are in really bad situations and you think about it. And then most of the time it just kind of passes your mind after a couple minutes. Right. And it's, it's a horrible thing because we're just in, we're in America, the majority of us are so privileged. Even the people right. that aren't as privileged in America are privileged compared to the people that are over there. And Exactly. And I think it's, it's such just, a like global viewpoint versus, you know, what your particular situation is when you step back and you look at the world as a whole, like how we are so privileged and we really are so blessed with what we have, despite whatever, you know, issues we may have or in the grand scheme of things like we are so lucky and we are so blessed compared to a lot of the world around us yeah we really are and you know when i was there we see i saw people and living in mud huts barely having any water they couldn't bathe no transportation They're, they're walking miles and miles every day they're they're working in markets to make not even one u.s dollar a day to try to support their family and it's no, it's it's sad to see and it's if I had never gone there I'd never I wouldn't say I would never have realized it but you don't get a full per- perspective of what's going on there and what's going around in the world right until you until you see it firsthand right and you like I said you see things on the internet and it just kind of passes your mind but when you're there you're immersed in it for originally what I was supposed to be three weeks but because of how I felt about being there and what I was doing and seeing these kids, it, it made me stay another three weeks. And right. it, it was such a blessing to be there and like meeting the people that I met there. Some, like I said, some of my best friends meeting these kids, just being in this wonderful, beautiful place with so many beautiful people. It really makes you think like 
Wow. I, it's hard to put into words, you know, like, right. it, it really is. And just the people, they're the most wonderful God ordained people. I, I had the privilege of going to church with some of them and just the glory that they give to God. Even in what the smallest. They, even, even with what little they have, they're so happy. They love God. And they, no matter what happens to them, they know, like, I, the, there's a plan for them. Right. And although it may not be what they wish their plan was, there's a reason God's taking them on that path and has that plan for them. Right. And I think that's such a cool, like, reminder of, like, again, how you know, fortunate we are, but like how important it is to, you know, thank God for the little things we have in life, because it's really those little things that matter, but also, you know, our current situation does not define our final destination. And I think even just listening to you kind of tell the story and not even it as a whole, but just per se, the Africa piece, you know, you were originally supposed to be there for three weeks. And all of a sudden, you know, I get a text message that you're staying for three more weeks. And that wasn't something that was planned. But I think that was really something that you stepped out, you know, in faith and in the passion that you felt for being there and being able to serve there. And it was just, you know, for me, such a proud moment to like, look at you and see the ways that you have grown in your faith, and that you trusted God with that process. And what I kind of wanted to ask was, you know, obviously going to Africa was a huge leap of faith. Like you said, you know, you were going 7,000 miles away from home. You had never been away from home, you know, without your family, you were traveling by yourself, of course, to a foreign nation on a different continent, you know, through that process and kind of through your Africa experience, how did your faith change or like, how did you see changes in yourself? So I would say, so I was, I was growing up as a Catholic and, I'd always gone to church and, but I never really fully immersed myself in, into religion and God. And the first time I really like realized that God was there was my dad had, he had an, he used to have seizures when he was young and he had never, ever since he was young, he hasn't had an episode and he was hanging out with his friends one night and had like a little episode where he had, he'd thrown up and kind of, was in and out of consciousness so out of precaution they took him to the to the hospital and they did a scan on him and they found that he had um, an amniotic aorta aneurysm which is basically just a weakening of your aorta Mm -hmm. and we had known that it was there but the aneurysm had progressed to a point um, that they didn't think it would in that amount of time mm-hmm. and he had to get emergency surgery for him. Thank God he, he got through that surgery and he's healthy now, but something that he hadn't dealt with in so long that caused him to go to the hospital to get that scan. That was completely unrelated to why he had to get the surgery really like right. showed me like there was a reason that Things he happened. had that episode that night. And even that night I was at college. I mean, I'm a college student. It was a Saturday night and most college students go out on a Saturday night and that night for some reason and I just decided not to go out and I got a call that night and I was able to drive down to the hospital and see him and you know that really that's the first time I really encountered like, I was able to it, it showed me that like okay God there's a reason like God's doing this and it, that was the first time I really fully immersed myself in like God's plan and mm-hmm. 
because I had I grew like I said I'd grown up Catholic, but I never really fully immersed myself and really right looked to him and talked to him. And ever since then, I've just grown in my faith. I've like I talk to you about it all the time, right. and and it, I was it's lucky so enough. cool to you know just as your friend and you know watching you through the last few years. Like obviously you know we knew each other in high school, but it wasn't really till like the end of high school and after we graduated that we had gotten so much closer and just to be able to watch you, you know, through all that you've encountered and the ways that you've handled it. But most importantly, the ways that you have just grown in your faith and you've just opened your arms to, you know, encountering Jesus in a authentic and genuine relationship and, you know, striving to find him and look for him, even in the difficulties of your life has just been such a humbling you know, experience for me, but it also makes me like so proud of you for having the faith to do that despite the circumstances which have been laid in your life. And I'm really just truly from the bottom of my heart, I'm so proud of you. Um, and I know that God has huge plans for you. And that was actually a little bit what I wanted to ask you about in turn. You know, you went to Africa, you had this incredible experience. And I think personally that you came back from Africa, you know, a whole different person, like we were kind of just talking about, you know, not only in the way that you looked at yourself and the way that you looked at the world, but also I think hugely um, with your relationship with Christ. And I just wanted you to tell me a little bit about, you know, how did Africa kind of not change your path, but get you thinking about things and what were things that kind of started to happen or that you had thought about or have been planned or whatever since you've been in Africa? Yeah. I mean, Africa really, I mean, people say when, you go to places like this, it, it changes your life. And when you're on the outside looking in, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, it changed your life, yeah. But when you're on the inside and you really think about it, it really does. And I had always had my planned path where I was going to go to college. I was, as soon as I was out of college, I was going to go to med school and become a doctor, and I was going to be married and all that kind of stuff. But after that, you know, it, it really did change my life. And now I'm taking a gap year um being able to travel like that it really i'd always been a homebody and being doing that was such a huge step and now it, it really opened my eyes like i wanted i want to venture out more and i mean that's what's what's leading me to most likely move to san diego after um after graduation and take a gap year which i had never ever thought of and you know it just it makes you think rethink and rethink what you want to do with your life and taking a step back, which there's nothing wrong with at all. Right. Being able to, cause you want, you want what's going to make you happy in life. Right. And no matter what you plan, things can change. And God, God has set you on that path. God has that plan for you. Although you, the plan that you wanted and had originally planned may change. There's a reason for that. Right. It's, it's, it's God's plan. And if you love God, you'll trust him. You'll put all your faith in him and you'll, you'll find out why he's taking you on that path. Even though it's not your path, there's a reason he's taking you on that path. And you just need to trust him, love him, put all your faith in him. And the outcome will always be good. Exactly. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, um, San Diego and moving to California and what we're hoping that that looks like for you? Yeah. So I just kind of, I wanted, I wanted to venture out and get away from home and just kind of live my life without, I wouldn't say without like an impact. I, I'm not I'm trying to think of the right word. Like I just kind of wanted 
focus on me. Yeah. And see, because being out there by myself with no family out there or anything, it'll really make me think of like, okay, is this what I want to do with my life? Right. Being home, like I'm always like, my parents are like, study for your MCATs and stuff like that. Because they've, I've always said I want to be a doctor and stuff like that. So being out there with no parental supervision or anything like that, it'll, I'll be able to fully look at like, okay, do I want to do this? Is this the path that like I want to take? And I I know God's taking me where he wants me to, but when I'm out, when I'm out there, my plan is to do social work, which is, it's being able to help other people. That's what social work is. And that's what has always led me to want to become a doctor because that's what you do. You help people in times of need and it's a life or death situation and social works step I wouldn't say a step down from that, but it's it's a different viewpoint of that. Doctor. Yeah, you're not helping people with life or death situations, but you're helping them with situations that they may not need to be in. And, right. you know, you're just trying to help them work through their life and get them into better situations, which I've always just wanted. I've always wanted to help people. That's just how I've always been. I mean, yeah, sometimes you always it's, have drained, been that type of person. it's drained a lot out of me. And, but, it's something that I don't care if it'll drain something out of me because I just found it find it so rewarding to be able to help others and it just makes me happy to see other people happy. Right. And you always have been that type of person, even you know, just from when I like started to know you and when we originally met, you've always struck me as that type of person. And like I said, you know, you really are a true salt of the earth person and you would give the shirt off your back for anyone in need. Um when Brendan went to Africa, you know, he met a really um great obviously few, but many people um, in the process. And I know there's two people that he's particularly working on, hopefully a project that'll come to fruition soon. Brendan, I was wondering if you could just tell everybody, you know, even for just a minute, a little bit about what you guys are kind of planning and envisioning and hopefully God, you know, will really bless in the process. Yeah. So when we were over in Africa, my, my friend Anna had originally talked to um, some of the professors that not professors, teachers that she had been working with. And a lot of the the people in the community, especially elderly women, had no literacy. They didn't know how to read. And this teacher really wanted to help the the women in her community start an education and be able to learn how to read. But when the program had um, just started to become to fruition in Africa, Anna had to leave. So she really left a lot of it to me my friend Meg and my friend Jamie and we we kind of started this upbringing of trying to teach these people um literacy and Anna brought when she came home she brought up the idea of starting a nonprofit organization of teaching literacy in um underprivileged communities of people that don't know how to read or people that have very little uh, literacy so that's a that's a plan that we've talked about starting a nonprofit of trying to teach um, literacy to people that just have no literacy and haven't had the capability of gaining an education um, regarding reading and stuff of that sort. That's amazing. And I'm so excited to kind of, you know, watch you in that piece of your journey and kind of see how that all comes together and comes to fruition. Because, you know, like I said before, you really are just such a servant leader. And you, like, just knowing you, I know how passionate you are about helping people and making a difference in the lives of those around you. And I think that that's going to have, you know, a huge impact in whatever community 
or communities that you're in. Um, I'm really just honored and so excited to kind of see, you know, that and how that all takes place. Um, I think, you know, and I'm sure you would agree, you know, after Africa, I feel as if, you know, you've been, you know, brought a lot of new things um, in the process of, you know, before you went to Africa, basically, I felt, and maybe you agree, maybe you don't, um, that you were kind of at a point of, you know, being lost. There was a lot of things in your life that you had lost and you were kind of just trying to find your way and, you know, figure out, you know, what God had on his heart for you and what his plan and what his purpose was. Cause there was so much that you had kind of just lost and, you know, in your health and in sports and with family stuff and, you know, relationships and friendships and all sorts of stuff just kind of happening. And then you went to Africa and had this life-changing experience which just opened so many doors for you. But like I said, also just made such a huge impact on you. And then I feel, you know, just knowing you and kind of debriefing on that with you, that you kind of came home in a whole new light. And when you had gone there with basically so much loss in a sense, and obviously that's to whatever capacity people want to take that you came back, but there was so much that you gained, you know, not only was it new relationships and new dreams. I also think you found a lot of purpose in yourself there. I think there was a lot of really cool people that you were introduced to, a lot of opportunities, um, but also, you know, a lot of faith. And I think you encountered God and his faith and his mercy in a whole new way. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, my friend Mag, when I was over there, she went to Grand Canyon University. She's going to graduate in the spring. And that's a pretty religious school. And I had never really... I've talked to people about religion and stuff, but when I was there, we had nothing to do. You know, there's no TVs. You, you just, you're spending time with people. That's, that's all right. you do. And, you know, we really got talking about like our religion and we, we even got her now boyfriend, Jamie, who had never really become religious to start reading. We had the Bible app on our phone and we got him to start reading the Bible. And basically every day after school and stuff, we'd, we'd sit outside and, read the Bible and kind of talk about it. And, you know, it's, I had never been in like a Bible study group or anything like that. And just being able to sit there and talk and like talk about the different stories in the Bible and what happened and how it relates to our life. It really, it really, right. it's, it's amazing. It you is. Know, it's, and I, it's, go ahead, I'm sorry. it's something I had never really done and being able to do that with, with other people that I have now become so close with and love them and, it's real. It's it's something amazing to share, for sure. And I think there's really just like such a capacity where you know not only is it necessarily like religion, but it really truly becomes a relationship, and it becomes a day to day basis, and it's something that you're encountering on the daily. And what better place to you know be able to encounter it while you're serving abroad? I just think that was so cool, and just to see the relationship that you've really like created with not only God on a daily basis, but with, you know, all the people that you've met, all the people that you know, but also, you know, just the light that you bring to the world now after having that experience, and not that you weren't before, but just seeing the way that, you know, you've changed and your mentality's changed and the way that your faith has just really opened so many doors and has just really created a new version of you has just been really awesome. And I'm so, again, so excited for you. Um, the last thing I really kind of wanted to ask you is obviously, you know, in the last few years, you've been through quite a bit and there's been a lot of, you know, good things, bad things, all sorts of things you've encountered. 
Um, like I said, and like we said before, you've encountered loss, but you've also gained so much in the process. And I think those are some of the things that have really just made such a huge impact on your life and allowed you to make a really large impact on lives of those around you. And while we close out, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, you know, in this process and in this journey of the last few years, what would be the biggest, you know, either lesson or piece of advice that you have for people listening? So the first thing I really would advise people is regarding mental illness and health is don't think you have to deal with it on your own or battle it on your own. That's what I originally thought. Like I said, I never really wanted I've never been a person to try to like have people deal with my problems. I've always been a person that was like, okay, I can deal with my problems by myself. And once I was able to realize like, I can't, I can't deal with this on my own and talk to other people about it. That's when I really got, I was able to work through some of my, my problems with depression. Like I still, like I said, I still deal with it, but it's not to the point where I used to be, where I was like, do I even want to live this life anymore? And just the biggest thing is just talk to people. These, the people that your family, your friends, they love you. They, they want you to work through this stuff and they never think it's going to be a problem as much as you think it's a problem, like talking to them and thinking like, Oh, this is going to stress them out and stuff. They want, they want to help you. That's what they're there for. They love you and they want everything that life has to come for you. And they want the absolute best for you. And second, I would say, no matter what your plan is, you just need to trust God. Your plan may change, and no matter what, you just you, you got to trust, and he has a plan for you, and you just got to remember that. That's awesome. Um, I think this is something definitely that, you know, an overall theme of, you know, kind of your story and whatnot would be, you know, first of all, changes are going to come. You know, they're inevitable, and we kind of get to choose how we react to them. And like you just said, if we react to them, you know, in faith and in trust that God, that he is bringing us through something or bringing us to something for a reason, it's, I think, a lot easier to look at knowing that you have him there to back you up. Um, Brendan is also just, you know, somebody, when I think of Brendan, I kind of think of, you know, the quote, be the change you wish to see in the world, because that's truly who he is. And I think he would agree with me that throughout his story and, you know, throughout the last few years, Really what was important to him was obviously, you know, not admitting that he needed help, but getting the help that he needed and being okay with the fact that he did need help and just getting his mind right in that process. Um, And he's just done a really great job of that. And I am so proud of him for, you know, the courage he had to kind of come on tonight and just share his story with you because that isn't something that's easy. And I know that that's going to bless so many people and that's just going to make a difference in so many people's lives because there's a lot of people that really connect with that. And it's not something that's talked about enough. So I think, you know, really getting the help and getting what he needed for that and just working, being able to work through that, you know, trying to get his mind right the best you can. And obviously that is not an easy feat by any means. And it is through the grace of God and a lot of incredible people and help that not only for Brendan, but for so many others that that can be done. But also that, you know, like he just said, you know, plot twists in life are welcome, you know, maybe not necessarily right away or maybe not when we first encounter them. But I think it's really cool to know that you could have a plan. And if you're like me, you know, I'm a type S personality, so I don't really like change that much. But, you know, you could have this whole written down, planned out thing. But it's really, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be God and what his plan and what his purpose for your life is. 
And when it comes to that, you know, you could have a huge plot twist. Your life could do a whole 180, but just recognizing that it's for the greater good and there's going to be a huge impact that comes from that. But you're also going to glorify God and just impact so many lives in the process. I think it's just really such a humbling thought. And to be able to look at it that way, I think is just so much easier than taking on the stress of, you know, why aren't things going my way? Rather, we just take a step back and put our faith in God and trust the plan and trust his process and know that at the end of the day, he will deliver and he will carry out his promises. I think that's just really so calming. And I think that's so humbling. I just wanted to thank Brendan for, you know, all that he did, again, like I said, to come on and kind of share his story, because some of the things that he talked about was not an easy feat. And for him to have the courage to do so really just means so much to not only me, but I know many people that are going to connect with him and his story. Um, and dude, you are just such a light and I know that God has huge, incredible plans for you. And I am so extremely grateful for you and our friendship over the years and just being able to watch you in that process and just watching you grow into the amazing person and, you know, man of God and man of faith and incredible friend that you are. So I thank you so much for coming on tonight and we can't wait to have you back soon. And hopefully when we do, we'll be, uh, you know, chatting while you're in San Diego, you know, accomplishing all that God has set out for you. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. We will see you soon. We hope you have a great night and a great week. See you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone.